Continuing to focus on this word from the Lord that, that, that the time is now. The time is now for us. And I believe this is for everybody that's in here today. I believe it's for everybody that's a part of this, of this church family. I know it's for me. I know it's for this church as a church. Um, but the time is now for us to, to move out with what God has been showing us, with, with what He's been teaching us all individually, with what He's been showing us about what He's called us to do and pursue, which primarily, as we've been studying in, in these two books that Paul wrote to Timothy, is pursuing godliness, being like God. That's, that's the basic thing. I believe He has a specific purpose, plan, calling, whatever you want to, however you want to term it, for your life as an individual believer. But whether you know that yet or not, He has called you to pursue being like Him. <laughs> That's und- undisputable. And it's time for us to move on that. You say, well, I, I've been trying to, you know, I've been trying to be more like God I've been like, ever since I became a Christian. Great. Turn up the volume. <laughs> Kick it up. It's time to move out. It's time to do more. And, and you know I'm not implying for you to do more is because you're trying to earn something with God. It's, it's exactly the opposite. It's because He's already done so much for you. Your response needs to be, what more can I do for you, God? Because He has so much more for you. And so much of it depends on what we determine and, and receive what we receive from Him and determine to walk in. Something neat that I heard just came up in my my mind that we heard. Uh, it was in one of these chapters that we had. The teens had their small group last night, and in the book they're going through, the the author said something about he was talking about the Holy Spirit. <laughs> Might have been in, in your chapter. He said the Holy Spirit is not something you catch. <laughs> He's something you receive. He's someone you receive. Say, well, I don't know if I get that. You, re- you have to receive Him. You have to receive the Holy Spirit. It's not just, He's not just something you catch as He passes by. <laughs> you have to receive Him. You know? And, and so that, that, that calls for some action on our part. So was receiving action? I thought that the action was in the giver, not the receiver. Do you know it takes action to receive? If you don't believe it, and I, w- I wish I maybe would have planned to demonstrate this, but... but if somebody came up here with a great big package wrapped up for me and, and brought it up here and sat it down and, and said, this is for you, Pastor, this package is for you. And I'd say, oh, I can't, I can't believe that's for me. What have I done? I don't, I don't know what I've... What's the occasion? You know? it's, not, it's not Father's Day, it's Mother's Day. What, what's the occasion? <laughs> you know? And so I'd say, oh, well, you know, I don't know if I'm... I don't know if I'm worthy of that. And so, you know, that would be one problem. But even if I didn't say that, you know, I could say, oh, well, that's really nice. That's really special. But whatever words I said, what would, what would, what's, what would really determine whether or not I received that gift? If I opened it and, and, and took it out and used it. <laughs> It's wonderful to have a night someone give you a nice wrapped beautiful package. But that's not the purpose. The, you know the the wrapping paper and the bow is not the purpose of a Christmas gift. <laughs> the purpose is what's inside and what you something that you can use that blesses you, right? But in order to do that, you have to open it and receive it. It takes action to receive, in case you never thought about it. And so this is what we're talking about is that It's time to fully receive or more and more, receive more and more of what God has for us and then do do with it what is intended. (laughs) See, God gave us all these tools, all these gifts, but they're not just so we can pile them up and say, boy, aren't we special? Boy, our Father, the Father God, He really loves me. I'm something special, aren't I? (laughs) No, He gave me these gifts. Yes, He loves me. But he gave me these gifts because they're things he wants me to use to enhance, to bless my life, to bless other people's lives. 
to, to advance his kingdom on the earth. To get my needs met. To meet your needs or to meet somebody else's needs or to, you know, that kind of thing. They're for a purpose. They're to be used. And so we need to move out in using them. Move up to another level of, of how we live with him. And then move on to see results. And not be happy with the results we're seeing. You know, to, to keep doing the same thing over and over again but expecting more results. That's, that's the definition of what, they say. <laughs> Insanity. <laughs> You've you got to do something different to get different results. And so, we need to be believing for better results. Say, results for what? Well, results for me living a, a more successful life, but results for me having more of an impact in the world for God. Results of me living a closer relationship with Him, even if it wasn't a blessing to other people, and it should be. But I need to be a blessing to Him. Think about that one. Say, oh, can I be a blessing to God? Yes. <laughs> he created you to be a blessing to Him. He didn't, he didn't need us, but He wanted us. He, he wanted someone in, in His kind of being to have fellowship with. Go back and read Genesis chapter 1. Let us make man in our image to be like us. Isn't that what they said? With the Father, Jesus, the Holy Spirit, we're saying? In our image. Okay? Everything else was made not in their image. Anyway, so we're continuing in this and, and we finished up the, the book of First Timothy last week or at least what we were studying out of it for this topic. And so we're going to move on to Second Timothy. And one one verse that I'm going to highlight here is one that we that we hit on when we did the overview of this study back in the first lesson and we went through some of the key scriptures in these two books that we were going to talk about that have to do with this with this word of moving out, moving up, and moving on with God. And it was, it was verse 6 in this first chapter. So I'm going to read it, but then we're going to back up a little bit and, and touch on some things it's referencing in some of the earlier verses. But look at, look at verse 6. It says, for this reason, I remind you, now this is Paul to Timothy, I remind you to kindle afresh, or the King James says, stir up, <laughs> kindle afresh, or stir up the gift of God which is in you. So, you know, we'll, we'll dig into this a little more, but the point that we made back there in the overview of this was, you have to do something to stir up what God has put on the inside of you. Just because God has put gifts or talents in you, just because God has, has given you a calling, a purpose for your life on, on this earth, a mission, a ministry, whatever you want to call it, whether you know it yet or not, and I would say if you don't, keep pursuing because He wants to tell you what it is, no matter what your age, young or older. But just because he, you know that and you know that maybe you've identified some talents He's given you that you can use for His glory, just because all that's true doesn't mean you don't have actions to have to take for those things to, to, to be of benefit. To be used in His kingdom. You have, to, you have to stir them up. You have to keep using them. I know we talked about that a little bit last night too. About how, how it's such a shame that we've been given the Holy Spirit. But so oftentimes we neglect to take advantage of His presence in us. And the point was made last night in the Old Testament times under the Old Covenant. The Holy, at, at best the Holy, Holy Spirit could only be with you. But in our covenant with Je that Jesus brought about, He's in us. Which is better? For the Holy Spirit to be with you or living inside of you? 
I think you know the obvious answer to that. <laughs> but but the, the, the additional point was made is, but what a shame if that's true. The Old Testament saints would have, would have loved to have the Holy Spirit inside them. The best they ever had was him coming along with them once in a while. They would have loved to have what we have, but yet so often we don't take advantage of him being on the inside of us. We don't pray in the Spirit very often. We don't listen for his leading, his voice, follow him, do what he says. And, and in doing so, life would be so much easier. We might get to where we're going, doing it in our own strength, but it's going to be so much harder. You have to grind it out. You have to do it in your own strength. You're going to get tired and weary where the person who's doing it by the leading of the Holy Spirit, it's so much easier. Because he'll, he'll give you the shortcuts. He'll give you the answers. He'll give you the, the, the best way. So, but we have, to, we have to stir up what's in us. We have to, we have to take it, take, rise up and take, well, God, you've called me to do this. By faith, I'm going to start doing at least the part I know to do. <laughs> you know? And, and, and it all starts with a step. You might not know. You might know God has, has a calling on your life for you to be X, whatever that is. But you're like, I don't know how to do that. I don't know even how to begin to do that. But maybe just if you would ask and listen, the Holy Spirit would show you one little tiny small thing to do. You say, well, that's just such a tiny thing. How's that ever going to get me over there? Start. <laughs> Try it. See. Do that. And then he'll probably give you another one. And, and they may get bigger along the way. But instead of, instead of sitting back and sitting in the chair and saying, well, I don't know the whole plan. God hasn't show, shown me the whole plan. Well, get up and do one little thing he showed you to do. <laughs> because maybe the rest of the plan is dependent on if he's going to see if you're obedient in one little thing first. Which is true. There's a principle called faithfulness. And God uses that very often and puts a lot of emphasis on it. In fact, um, remember the scripture? You be faithful in the little things, he'll make you ruler over much. And so many people want to just be ruler over much. <laughs> it doesn't start there. It starts with be faithful in the little things. And that, that, is, a, that is a truth that applies to every area of life. Your, your work life, for those of you who are maybe not in a, in a work career yet, <laughs> or for those of you who are and it doesn't seem to be working out so well, <laughs> one principle is faithfulness. And many of you in here, the older ones, you, you can get up and testify of examples of this, of how you've proved this out in your life over the years. But being faithful in some little things, and, and it, it brings great benefit over time. And so, but you've got to, bless you, you've got to start somewhere. So start being faithful. But he's telling Timothy, you've got to stir it up. You've got you to kindle it fresh. Keep it fresh. Don't make it, let it grow stale. Well, you know, have you ever been to a church and, or know some older believers and they say, well, way back in 1949, God called me to do so and so and we really had a move of God in the church back then. Wonderful. What's happened lately? <laughs> well, you never know what God's going to do. Yeah, you do. He's telling you, stir it up. <laughs> it's up to you. He's never changed. You think he's gone on vacation and left the earth for, you know, 50 years and he'll come back and when another generation rises up? No. He's gone nowhere. He's waiting on us. Where's your faith? Where's your stepper outer? <laughs> You know, on the little thing. Don't, don't just, you know, remember some past event with God. What are, what's, what are we doing now? And it's not just, what has God done? What are, you, what are you doing to obey God? You know, a lot of people are praying for a move of God. Okay, I'm not making light of sincere people, okay? But a lot of people have the wrong idea. They're praying for a move of God. Praying for a, a revival to come sweeping in and blow our front door off and then come through here and blow the curtains back and the garage door open and all this, you know. 
Again, I'm not making light of real moves of God. But what I'm saying, people are praying for that. And, and God's just saying, I'm praying you're going to move. <laughs> when are you going to get out of your chair? <laughs> when are you going to go do what I told you to ten years ago? <laughs> you do that, we'll, and, and a move of God will get started. Because <laughs> where is God? He's in you. <laughs> I'm not discounting that there's a corporate anointing of the Holy Spirit and the Holy Spirit can do miraculous things and all this. That's not the everyday norm. The everyday norm, and, and again, what an Old Testament saint would say they would love to experience, is faith for the, for the everyday stuff and having the Holy Spirit to help you in faith. They didn't have that. They didn't have the knowledge of the Word of God. They didn't have the, the salvation package of Jesus. They didn't have all of that. And so we do, but the question is, what do we do with it? So he's telling Timothy, stir it up and make it, make it fresh. And he said, but he starts off this verse, and this one I want to go back to. He starts off this verse and says, for this reason. So if he starts that off, you have to see, for what reason? <laughs> what comes before this? So I want to go back and add a few points out of a couple of verses before this that leads up to Paul saying, for this reason. Okay, so go back and look in verse 2. And he says, when he starts starting off this letter to Timothy, he says, to Timothy, my beloved son. Okay, so what does that imply or indicate to us here? Well, one, it indicates something about Paul's relationship with Timothy because we know Paul didn't have any natural children of his own. And we know in, in, for a fact that if you read on down that Timothy was not his natural born son because he talks about his mother and his grandmother as two other ladies in the Lord that wasn't Paul's wife. Okay, So Paul is, seeing, Paul is in this relationship with Timothy like a father and son. And this relationship is what it is. It's that close of a relationship because it exemplifies the role they played with one another. Paul was Timothy's mentor. He was discipling Timothy. Timothy was his disciple or mentee. And it stresses the importance of that type of relationship in the church family. That we disciple people. Particularly we disciple the younger believers. And I don't mean just age. Well, I'm older so I should disciple. No, I mean maturity and growth in your relationship with the Lord should disciple ones who are newer in their relationship with the Lord. Okay, I don't care what age, physical age you are, but the, the importance is to disciple. Timothy was very much discipled by Paul so much that there was a bond between them like father and son. Okay? And that, that builds up to, look at verse 4. In verse 3, he talks about praying for him. Verse 4, he says, Longing to see you even as I recall your tears so that I may be filled with joy. See, Timothy was so endeared to Paul and Paul was so respected and honored and loved by Timothy that when Timothy had to leave Paul, it broke his heart. Now, they knew that he was called to go and, do, and take care of these areas, these churches and stuff that Paul sent him to, to oversee. Paul had, had, had prayed and he had, he had laid hands on Timothy. He knew that Timothy's calling was to go and be a, an overseer, like an apostle, over a bunch of the churches that Paul had started. And that's what these letters are basically about, is how to, how to do that, how to be a leader, how to do what God's called him to do. And so... Timothy was going to have to leave to do that. He couldn't just be Paul's, you know, disciple, shadow anymore. He's going to have to leave. It broke his heart. But it was what God was calling him to do. You know, sometimes you have to go beyond and against your emotions to follow God. Because if you just went with what was emotionally good, and this is where you have to take... You're, you have to let your spirit rise up and take charge of your mind, will, and emotions and your body. 
what we call the flesh, because your emotions will keep you from serving God sometimes. Because sometimes it's something that's, that's not easy. You have to pull apart sometimes, or you have to leave your family, or your friends. Leave them behind and go pursue what God's calling you to do. Now, there's always a blessing in it. If you'll do it, God will give you new friends. God will give you stronger relationships. And He'll keep the relationships with your family. In fact, they'll probably be enhanced. But it's hard sometimes. Some of you have been through that. I've been through that. It's hard sometimes. And emotionally, you'd rather just stick around. But in this case, Timothy had to leave Paul. And I think it probably broke both of their hearts. It was, it was a, a tearful parting. <laughs> and Paul remembers that. And, and that was his probably last visible memory of Timothy, physically, was, was seeing him, you know, in tears over this situation. But yet, he was going on to do what, what God had called him to do. So, you know, again, it stresses the importance of this discipleship relationship and this bond that comes. But, you know... The question to ask ourselves is, if you see yourself as somewhat of a matured believer, is have you ever invested your life into someone to the degree that leaving you was a heartbreak to them? Because that's the, that's the kind of discipling, that's the kind of investing we need to do in people's lives. Particularly the mature to the less mature. I've experienced that a couple of times. I'm being on both sides of that. Um, And again, like I said, it's not easy. But what's more important is to do what God's calling you to do. He'll, He'll help you to heal the hurts. But, but, you know, sometimes memories are good and you keep, the, you know, you keep that and you'll, and, and you'll come back many times and rekindle. But if you never did, you know you'll see them again in heaven someday. And wouldn't you rather, when you have that reunion in heaven, get back together and compare that, that you obeyed God and went and did, even when it caused a parting of the ways and a little bit of emotional tearing apart here and there, but that you both can rejoice that you, that you did what God said to do. And you can recount all the, the things that resulted, those results that we were talking about a little earlier that you're, that you're trying to achieve. Other than just staying together, being disobedient, doing your own thing and not God's thing, and there'd be no results. I think we're going to be shocked someday when we get to heaven and we meet people that we've had an impact on that we never even had an idea we did. And it was probably through some of these times like this where you had to you went and did what God was calling you to do even though it might have might have been hard. But but I think you're going to know some of those those things. So it says look in verse in verse 5. It says, For I am mindful of the sincere faith within you, which first dwelt in your grandmother Lois and in your mother Eunice. For I am sure that it is in you as well. So, this this emotional experience that Timothy had when leaving Paul and the fact that it, was, it came about through his honor, his respect, his love for Paul that he developed because Paul discipled him. It was evidence, verse 5 says, of Timothy's sincere faith. And so, what is sincere faith? In the King James, instead of the word sincere, it uses the word unfeigned. <laughs> That's a little bit of a strange, you know... Um, old English term that we don't use in our everyday com- conversation, I would think. And any of you go around talking about being unfeigned? <laughs> Probably not. But if you look this up in the, in the Greek language here that it was interpreted from, the word sincere or unfeigned simply means without hypocrisy. Timothy was not a hypocrite. His faith was real. 
We talked about last night what hypocrites were and how it came about. <laughs> it was people that would wear different masks in theatrical performances, and the same person would be all these different people. They never, they never were consistently the same. And then we know what Jesus called the Pharisees and the Sadducees, hypocrites. You know it's not a blessing to be called a hypocrite, by the way. <laughs> don't don't, don't, don't uh, want to be called a hypocrite. That's, it's not a good thing. And so this kind of faith Timothy had was sincere. It was not hypocritical. He was not a hypocrite. He actually lived from his heart. He lived what he believed. He, he believed what, what God's Word said, what Paul was, had taught him, what he had been discipled through about Jesus and about God's Word. And, and, it, and it, from the heart, he wanted to do that. It was his heart to do that and to serve God and to obey God's Word. He had sincere faith. So that gets us back to verse 6 where it says, For this reason. So for what reason? For sincere faith. Because of your sincere faith, Timothy... Because I know you're not a hypocrite. Because I know you're not just doing this to gain brownie points or to get a position to be appointed apostle over so many churches so you can say, I'm a big wig in the church. Because of your sincere faith, Timothy, stir up the gift. Keep it going. Rekindle it. Rekindle what you knew back there you were called to do and that you pursued being discipled because you needed to know how to go do it. You needed to get strong in the Word and in, the, in God and in growing and mature in Him so you could go and do your, your purpose, your ministry. You, know, you, knew, you learned what that was. Now because of, your, of what you've gained through your sincere faith, stir it up, man. R- remind yourself, hey, I, this is who I am. I'm, I'm, I'm Apostle Timothy. God's called me to do this. I can do it. I can do all things through Christ who strengthens me. Old brother Paul taught me that, that verse, okay? Whatever, whatever the situation is, stir it up. Remind yourself. Speak the word over you. Remind yourself of what people have spoken into your life, what they have spoken over you. Primarily the words of the word of the word of God they've spoken over you. I remember some things way back there when I was 19 years old that, that was, was spoken over me. I've never turned loose of those things. And someday I'm, gonna, I'm going to experience the complete fulfillment of a lot of those things. But I have to sometimes, you know, if you go a period of time and you don't remember some of those things, you need to remind yourself, stir it up and say, I'm on the way. <laughs> I'm going to see it all someday. Because if you don't, you can just go through your whole life and never fulfill what God's called you to do. You can just drift on along. But is that what God's called you to do? Is that what's going to get you what you want to hear when you get to heaven and you want to be able to to come and and honor God with your life and instead you're you're going to be disappointed in so many things you didn't do? Now, I know none of us are perfect. Okay? And, and there's going to be things we're not going to do. And, it, and whether we get in or not is not dependent on that. Whether you get in is what you've already received <laughs> based on what Jesus did, not what you do. But in response to that, we ought to love Him enough to want to do what He wants us to do in life. So, because of his sincere faith, he says, Kindle afresh, or stir up the gift of God which is in you through the laying on of my hands. So we get to that point, stir it up. And, and we've touched on this, but why? For what purpose? Look at verse 7. For God has not given us a spirit of timidity, but of power and love and discipline. See, the answer for why you need to stir it up is because God has not given you timidity, or the King James says a spirit of fear. He's, he's made you bold. Why? Because there's something He needs you to be bold about going and doing. Do you know it doesn't take any boldness for me to sit here and, and watch what's happening? <laughs> you ever gone to a mall? Probably a lot of us guys are more that way. You'd rather just sit on a bench and watch 
do people watching while somebody else is shopping. <laughs> or a lot of times I like to do that when we go on vacation or whatever. I like to sit around and just watch. Do you know that doesn't take any boldness? <laughs> but if I were to get up and go do something, sometimes that would take boldness. Um, I remember one time, Charlene and the kids, they they felt led to just go give people some money in the mall just to be a blessing. Well, that's different than sitting on a bench and watching them go by rather than going up to people and saying, can I give you $10? <laughs> now, people really think you're strange if you do that. That really takes boldness. They don't want it. They won't receive it. It's just like the unwrapped package, I mean the wrapped unopened package up here. They, they, most of them wouldn't receive it. But that takes boldness to do things like that. And it's, it wasn't willy-nilly. She really felt like you know, the Lord was saying, hey, go do that and be good for the kids to, to experience that. But anyway, it takes boldness to, to take action. Why do you need to not be timid, Timothy? It's not so you can just sit around and be comfy. You need to not be timid because you've got a work to do that's going to take some, some faith, some fearlessness. And so God's calling you to that. And he hasn't given you timidity, but instead he's given you power, love, and discipline. That's why you need to stir it up, Timothy. Because there's, there's these things you need to use to go and do. Okay? So, let's look at those three words for a minute. God has not given us a spirit of timidity, but of power, love, and discipline. So, think about power. Power is God's grace. Isn't that one of the definitions for grace? Is the effectual power of God? You know, if you've always had a, a picture of grace in your mind as something squishy and, and cute and all this, you know, just forgiving, that's just one part of grace. The other part is power. Okay? It's the grace of God that's the effectual power of God. And so... It's, it's, number one, it's an ability beyond our human capability. That's why it's God's grace and not our grace. That's why, too, we've studied in here, you can't give somebody grace. It's not your grace. It's God's grace. You can live God's grace to someone, but you can't give them grace. That comes from God. And we won't go into that. I could give you scriptures to back that up. Get the... Get the CD. <laughs> if, if it's not out there, ask for it. Because um, some, some of you would say, well, that's a popular saying in the church. But it's, a not, it's not true either. Okay, the second thing is, what, what is power? It's the evidence of the presence and working of the Holy Spirit in us. Because this grace of God comes about through the Holy Spirit and Him indwelling you, then it's in you. And you have the power. All right? Think back of Acts 1 and 8. Isn't that what, he, what Jesus said there? When he, when he left the physical earth and left them, and one of the last things, he, the last thing he said to them was um, in verse 8 of, of Acts chapter 1. And he said, but you will receive what? Power. When the Holy Spirit has come upon you. And you shall be witnesses both in Jerusalem and in all Judea and Samaria and even unto the uttermost part of the earth. You don't have the ability or the power to, to go to all these places and be a witness for Jesus without the Holy Spirit and Him bringing you the grace of God and helping you to walk in that grace. It's an ability beyond your human capability. It's evidence that the Holy Spirit's in you and working in you. All right? This word love there it's not just any old kind of love it says God has given you it said he's not given you a spirit of fear but he's given you power and love if God gave you love whose love is it it's God's love his love and his love is what kind of love is it just the human kind where we're like oh I love I love uh, cheesecake or I love I love, um, you know, water sports, or I love, 
I love my boat or I love my car or is that the kind of love we're talking about? No, we're talking about God's unconditional love. That's the kind of love we're talking about. Turn with me quickly to 1 John chapter 4. This is after Hebrews, James, the Peters, and then you get to 1 John chapter 4. I want to remind you about this love. You might be real familiar with this passage, but 1 John 4, 7 says, Beloved, let us love one another, for love is from God. Now see, this is what Paul was telling Timothy to stir up. This is one of the things. The purpose to stir up the gift within him is is to go and, and take this and do with it. Beloved, let us love one another, for love is from God, and everyone who loves is born of God and knows God. The one who does not love does not know God, for God is love. Yeah, that's how much love and how great love is within God. You could you could almost you can like John is saying here, he's defined by love. He is love. His pic his pictures in the dictionary beside the word love. We'd we would say in our words today. Um by this, verse nine, the love of God was manifested in us. That God has sent His only begotten Son into the world so that we might live through Him. In this is love, not that we loved God, but that He loved us and sent His Son to be the propitiation for our sins. Beloved, if God so loved us... Now think of Paul teaching this to Timothy and then reminding him about it. If God so loved us, we also ought to love one another. No one has seen God at any time. But if we love one another, God abides in us, and His love is perfected in us. By this we know that we abide in Him, and He in us, because He has given us of His Spirit. We have seen and testified that the Father has sent the Son to be the Savior of the world. Whoever confesses that Jesus is the Son of God, God abides in him and he in God. We have come to know and we have believed the love which God has for us. See, Paul is telling Timothy here, this is the spirit God has given you. Not to be timid, not to be fearful, but to move out in love. See, this is what he's saying. And, and that's what John is telling us too. Love was put inside of you when the Holy Spirit came in you. Is, isn't it also one of the fruit of the Spirit? So yes, it's inside of you. If the Holy Spirit's in you, He brought in seed for fruit with Him. Now the question is, are you going to produce any crops <laughs> with that seed that He's brought? But He brought for you to produce fruit of lo- of, out of love. It's in you. If you abide in Him, it abides in you. Look at the end there of, of verse 16. God is love. Again, he's saying this twice. God is love. And the one who abides in love abides in God, and God abides in him. By this, love is perfected with us, so that we may have confidence in the... Does confidence sound like what it's saying here, Paul to Timothy? Don't be fearful. He hasn't given you timidity. But, power, love, and discipline. Confidence. By this, love is perfected with us so that we may have confidence in the day of judgment. Because as He is, so also are we in this world. There is no fear in love. Yeah, sound familiar? Hadn't given you the spirit of fear. He's given you power, Timothy. Love. But perfect love casts out fear because fear involves punishment. And the one who fears is not perfected in love. See, stir up the gift so you're not fearful, so you're not timid. You got love in you. It's the opposite. So stir it up. There's something you're supposed to do with it. Verse 19, we love because he first loved us. If someone says, I love God and hates his brother, he's a liar. For the one who does not love his brother whom he has seen cannot love God whom he has not seen. And this commandment we have from him, that the one who loves God should love his brother also. You see, it doesn't come automatically. Just because you love God, you're going to go and show love to your brother. It's saying, you should. That means there's action. It means it could go on without you doing it. 
So instead of being fearful and timid, go and take that love and do something with it. See, that's what he's telling Timothy. Now, you know, we could spend weeks on this passage we just read right here and untangle all these different things, pull them apart that he's saying about love and study them in depth. We don't have time for that right now, but what I'm trying to get you to see is that he's put that in you for a purpose. It's the opposite of being fearful or timid, but it's for a purpose. It's for you to go do something with it. Then look at that last word of the three, discipline. This is the one we really don't want to hear about. This is the one where it gets hard and the rubber meets the road. Okay? The tough part. But in the King James, it says a sound mind. Do you know discipline is equated as a sound mind? You know, having things organized. That was one of the the things that was complimented moms on this morning, was being organized. Thoughtful and so forth. That's a part of discipline, or it's equivalent to discipline. So what's discipline like? Well, one thing is self-control. It's a fruit of the Spirit. If you read Galatians 5.22, in that one of, the, one of them, self-control? That means you've got a mind that's organized enough that you can take that leading, take the Word of God, take faith, take love, take the power of God, and keep yourself in check. What does that mean? That means spirit man. Rise up and be stronger than this flesh and and your emotions. Keep yourself in check. Keep the right priority. Keep the spirit in control, number one. The other two in submission. That's easier said than done. You don't believe it, go analyze your actions for the last week or two and see, see if you always lived that way. Don't answer that. Okay, the second thing is it's the ability to practice and put into place or as we say in the corporate world, operationalize the fruit of the Spirit, the character traits of God. That takes discipline to make those things a a business as usual in your life. Operationalize them. The ability to, to do that. Another point here is to the degree that we can easily follow the leading of the Holy Spirit and pursue and fulfill God's calling on our life. That exemplifies discipline. Hmm? It's it, what discipline is. It's, it's, the, to, it's the degree that we can easily follow the leading of the Holy Spirit and pursue and fulfill God's calling on our life. It takes discipline. And so, but this is what Paul's telling Timothy that he's been given. He's been given the ability to operate in the power of God. He's been given the love of God to use. He's been given the ability to be to walk and live a disciplined life. But is it going to happen automatically? No. He says, Timothy, stir it up. (laughs) Rekindle it. Get on with it, man. You got this work to do, but it's going to take these things. They've been given to you, but you have to use them. You can do it, (laughs) but keep it stirred up. Now, you think about these things. Was Jesus, this one in particular, was Jesus disciplined? Did he live a disciplined life? Oh, you better believe it. (laughs) How many times would he really like to have just called down fire (laughs) and let them have it? (laughs) Remember the time, even remember the time James and John says, uh, Rabbi, should we just call down fire and burn up this village because they didn't welcome you? And he's like, you don't even know what spirit you're of. <laughs> you know, it doesn't mean that he hadn't thought of it. He's just like, that's not my purpose, man. <laughs> if he would, the whole, the whole area would have been fried. <laughs> it would have been a barren wasteland, the way they do, did not welcome or receive him. But that was not what he was called to do. It took discipline, because he had all that at his beck and call. But he came here and set that aside. And said, I'm just going to live as a man and show you guys how you, can, how you can operate in faith and the Word of God as a man, the Son of Man. So as the Son of Man, I don't call fire down. I don't, I don't order around legions of angels. To go and, because I'm frustrated with these ignorant heathen people that <laughs> you sent me down here to be with. And so he had great discipline. 
How much discipline did it take when he was being tried not to, not to defend himself and argue back? Knowing that he was going to be tortured, ripped apart to shreds, and then, and then nailed to a wooden cross. How much discipline did it take to let them nail him to this wooden cross? Knowing that he was, he was the king of the universe. And he's letting some of his creation abuse him to the point of killing him. And he did it willingly. You think Jesus had discipline? Oh, we can't even, we can't even fathom the amount of discipline it took to do that. And then on top of that to say, Lord, don't hold it against, Father, don't hold it against them. Forgive them. For they know not what they're doing. I mean, even if it took discipline to let them do it to him, but how much more discipline to forgive them in the midst of it? And love. <laughs> and power. But Jesus knew how to use it. Jesus kept it stirred up. He kept it fresh. He kept the relationship strong with the Father. He knew the Word of God. He knew God. His Father. He knew the Holy Spirit. I'm talking about as He was living here as a man. And so... These are the, the all of these all three of these things, and they're not the only things, but all three of these things, if you'll look at them closely, they're all attributes of God's character. Does God have power? Yeah, He's got the greatest power in the universe. Does God have love? Yeah, we said He's defined by love. He, he is love. Does God have discipline? Oh, you better believe He has discipline. Again, to send His Son. To turn his back and let and let men kill his son, because he had a, he had a greater reward in mind that he would be able to have an opportunity to to win us all. But that took discipline. You, I mean, you would let somebody kill your child for some greater purpose. Mm, I, you you moms that we bragged on this morning, you'd be the first one to jump right in the middle of it and say, "Oh no." <laughs> But discipline, discipline to, to, to bind himself to his word. He gave authority to, to man. He didn't step in the middle of this mess that they made with the devil and take it back. He has discipline to honor his word. That's why he had to wait thousands of years for this plan to play out. Because he would not violate his word. And he had to sow words into the earth through inspiration of prophets, men of God, who had authority on the earth to speak this plan of salvation, the coming of Jesus into the earth before he could be sent. Study all that out. If you don't believe it, go back through the Old Testament. Read Isaiah, chapter 52, 53, and 54. God binds himself to his word. He never violates his word. It's, such, it's so important to him that if he ever did, it says the world would just stop. It would just completely just disintegrate. It's held together by the integrity of his word. That's discipline. So these are, the, these are so, just three things here. This is what Paul is stressing to Timothy. Timothy, stir it up, stir it up. Keep going with what God's called you to do. Stir up that that sincere faith within you that, that has caused, led you to, to receive and to understand God's call on your life and then realize that what God has given you is not fear, but He's given you these tools to do that. He's given you power, love, discipline. And we talked all in, a lot in the first book of Timothy. We talked a lot about discipline, the bodily discipline, but yet spiritual discipline, pursuing God was even more important. It's, it's a central theme to both of these letters. But God has given you this, Timothy. Go and do it. Don't be timid. Don't be fearful. And, that, and that's part of the message to us. Is don't, let's not be timid. What God's called us to do, let's, let's move out with it. Well, how do you do that? Well, start speaking faith over it. Start speaking God's Word. If you don't know what actions to take, speak. That's an action. That's, that takes faith. God, you told me to, to go do this. Well, okay, we're going to go do it. God, you said for this church to be a blessing in our community. We're going to go be a blessing. Okay? Show us, put us together with things people 
opportunities that we can be a blessing. Th- th- this, is how you, this is how you step out in these things. This kind of thing. You, you apply that to your life. What's God told you to do? Then step out. Don't, don't do anything that's not in God's word, but step out and do. Or say, God, I'm believing. If you don't know what to do. Holy Spirit, you direct my steps. You order my path. I hear from you. The voice of a stranger I will not hear. These are all scriptures, by the way. You speak these over yourself. You start hearing the leading of the Holy Spirit. You continue to speak that, and you hear, and then you do. Okay? That's walking in power, love, and discipline. That's what we're talking about. That's what it takes to to move up to another level. That's what it takes to see results, to move on in what God's called you to do. That's what it takes to fulfill it. And so, it, it it's not automatic. It's not always easy. Um, I was sharing with, with Sue and Ian last night when we were eating. <laughs> this has still been hard for me. Everything's been turned up in every area. <laughs> Work, church... <laughs> Family, everything. The, the dial's being turned up. I was warned. <laughs> it's being turned up. I have to get used to it. It's, it's, we were talking about last. It's the new normal. It's the next level. Don't whine and say, I want to go back to the other level. It was so much easier. <laughs> that, that's not what God has in mind. You know? He doesn't want you to have a wine and cheese party. Just go and do what He's called you to do. Get used to the new normal. And rise to the occasion. How do you do that? Speak the word. Believe. Walk by faith. Understand things are... There's more. There's not only more coming at you, more for you to do, but more for you to experience. More results to see. That's why we're doing this. So, you know... you you can only know what that means for you or what God's speaking to you about that. I believe He is. I know what He's speaking to me about that. I've been experiencing it for the last five or six months. <laughs> and in every area, physical, emotional, spiritual, and like I said, work, family, church, there's more, there's more that I know that, that I, we're, I'm, and we're responsible for here that we've got to be about doing. Before this year is over, we're going to be doing it. I hope you'll be a part <laughs> because there's going to be a blessing. But is it going to be easy? Probably not. <laughs> is it going to challenge us in the way of time, energy, resources? Probably. But is there a blessing in that? Absolutely. That's where the more comes in. That's where you, you're learning to receive the more. The more is already provided, but we're going to walk in how we're receiving it and, and experiencing it. Amen. I don't know where to quit, so I'm going to quit. <laughs>